We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. The hottest next tape you'll find online. Next all day. We bleed blue and orange. This is Knicks Fan TV, your one-stop shop for the ultimate New York Knicks fan experience. News, rumors, debates, post-game live streams featuring live callers. Let's go Knicks, baby! And now, your host, CP, the NY Fanatic. What's good, Knicks Nation? Alex Chateras here, a.k.a. the Tratocaster, back again with another Game of the Week preview. This time we're previewing Game 3 of the Knicks facing the Miami Heat. This time, though, New York will be down in Miami for Game 3 on Saturday at 3.30 p.m. on ABC. And with me today to break down this game is none other than Nikias Duncan. You can find him over at the Dunker Spot, now part of that J.J. Redick Network. I don't even know the actual name, but I just got to put J.J. Redick's name out there. Nikias, how you doing, man? How are you feeling today? Doing well, doing well. Easy breezy on this Thursday. Feeling good. Happy to be back. I appreciate y'all having me back on. It's been a pretty fun two games so far. It's been a great two games so far. But before we dive deep into this game and recap what we saw in game two and go over game three, Knicks Nation, make sure to hit that thumbs up button for your boys. Make sure to check out KnicksFanTV.com. And shout out to Edward Espinal for being a new channel member for KnicksFanTV. All right, Dunk. Uh, all right, Nikias. Wow, just go go by your last name over here. Make it uh, make it official, official, official. You know what I mean? Oh, but Nikias, what's what's ripped the bandaid off? What did you say in what did you see in Game Two of Knicks versus Miami for the Knicks to be successful? Uh, the Knicks got back to their roots. I think with the absence of Jimmy Butler, one the obvious one is that he didn't have that creator that they really trusted one on one late in that game. There's a lot of spread to wealth, a lot of pull ups. Uh, mixed in some drives as well, but they didn't have that central figure late. But they really missed Jimmy Butler defensively. In game one, Jimmy Butler got the Jalen Brunson assignment. In game two, it was Caleb Martin, who was a good defender in his own right. But I think missing out on Jimmy Butler is an underrated, underrated reason why the Heat ran as much zone as they did. I think the second spectrum had him at uh, 49 zone possessions in game mm. two, which was their highest mark of the calendar year of 2023. Uh, ran a whole bunch of zone the first half of the year, kind of petered off. But yeah, Miami went to, and I think an underrated portion of that is missing Jimmy Butler, his ability to take on those man-to-man matchups, but also what he does on the backside of actions and what he does as a helper. I think the Heat really missed that. And so what you saw was a whole lot of zone, which opened up pockets for the Knicks to drive into. Uh, 59 drives lot for them per second spectrum, which is their highest mark of the playoff so far. 
and they got into those gaps. And because the heat trended smaller and because they were in zone and because they opened up those gaps in the zone, the Knicks got right back to doing what they do best offensively. And that's crashing the offensive glass, generating a bunch of offense, a uh, bunch of extra opportunities. And from there, it just kind of became a possession slash map game. Uh, the Heat and Knicks made the same amount of threes, if I'm not mistaken. I think they both made 16. But New York rebounded nearly 38% of their own misses in that game. And I don't care how well you shoot. If you give up that many extra chances in a basketball game, it's more than likely that you're going to lose. And so that conceptually is what I saw. Then obviously you get the big second half from Jalen Brunson, Julius Randle having one of his best passing games of the season, in addition to what he did as a driver. Um, R.J. Barrett, another strong game for him, getting downhill, making quick decisions and making smart decisions. Isaiah Hardenstein filling in for Mitchell Robinson, who for the first time in the series got in foul trouble. It felt like the first time in his postseason run that he found mm-hmm. himself in foul trouble. But he stepped sure. big, Josh Hart making big plays, making big shots down the stretch. So those are kind of like the micro things. But I think macro level, the Knicks won the paint. They won the possession battle. They got back to crashing offensive glass. And I think that's really what it boiled down to in this game, too. Yeah, and I can agree with you on that because we did see the second chance opportunities, even though it wasn't like a heavily outmatched rebounding battle on the offensive glass, I should say. Like, Knicks got their 11 offensive rebounds to the Miami Heat's eight. But when you look at the total in stopping the Heat's possessions, Knicks ended the game with 50 rebounds to the Miami Heat's 34. So you see, like, when you can stop those, sec- those stop Miami's second chance opportunities and give yourself, mm-hmm. like, new new offensive possessions, that's going to limit the amount of time. But even throughout the game, it was still close because Miami has just been shooting the three ball so well. So, guys, what has been their recent success? Because we're talking about a team that was 27th in the league, right? Like, they were, mm-hmm. you know, bet- besides, like, tanking teams, they were bad. Now you get to this postseason run. This team has now found new life from behind the arc. What's happened there? Uh, like, I know I'm brought on to bring this, like, in-depth analysis. My honest answer I don't know. I do not know what the what the switch flip was. Like the offense in general kind of perked up after the all-star break and specifically like post-March, because they were one of the worst offenses in the league up until that point. And so I think they finished like 12th uh, in offensive rating after March, somewhere around that range. So it still wasn't elite, but it was much better than what it had been. And for the three-point shooting, like a lot of it has just been they're knocking down the contested threes again. And I think mm-hmm. that was the underrated portion of what they did last year. Not only were they the most lethal three-point shooting team in the league, like they did so by feasting on a lot of contested looks. And so that always left them susceptible to some kind of regression heading into this season. I don't think anyone anticipated that it would become this during the regular season to where they were one of the three or four worst three-point shooting teams in the league. But like that possibility was always there. Like you think about what the Heat's three-point shooting has been like last year and the year before last when they made the final run. Like it's, Duncan Robinson coming off a handoff shooting in your face. You get the Max mm-hmm. Drews explosion. He's knocking down contested looks. And you even zoom in, like, what Kyle Lowry was able to do off the bounce last year, um, what Gabe Vincent was able to do as a pull-up shooter. Like, a lot of it has been tough looks that they've cashed in on. And so now you look at that Buck series in round one, that was a lot of it. They shot well on open catch-and-shoot shots as well. But it was a lot of tough stuff from Duncan Robinson, tough stuff from Gabe Vincent, Jimmy Butler knocking down threes which just seems to be a postseason theme for him at this point. Like, I, I would just remember or just learn how to shoot for this three-week stretch. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, like, it's it hasn't felt like the offense has shifted a ton. Like, you can contribute, like, some of the handoff stuff and some of the pick-and-roll chemistry like Kevin Love introduces and the spacing that opens up driving lanes that allows Miami to get in the drive and kick a little bit easier. So there are some, like, schematic things that could lead to some cleaner opportunities and bumping up the volume. 
but it's kind of felt like a variance deal or like a like a positive regression in a sense to where okay we may not mm-hmm. be the world beaters we were last year on contested looks but we are we also aren't the seller dwellers that we were this regular season it's now kind of trended more so towards the middle or like upward middle i guess we're getting more specific but that's kind of been the big thing and naturally with what this postseason run has been that three-point shooting has been very important for miami so, you know, and you, and you mentioned against Milwaukee, right? And Milwaukee ran a lot of drop coverage, which kind of helped generate those open looks for Miami from behind the arc. And you also talk about Gabe Vincent, Duncan Robinson, knocking down some contested shots for the Knicks, right? Because Tom Thibodeau is a type of coach that likes to implement that drop coverage as well. Mm-hmm. When you watch the Knicks play Miami, is it because the, is it because the Knicks are using drop coverage so much that they're giving these open looks? Because when I watch, I'm seeing like Randall, RJ, all these guys having to do a hard closeout to contest these threes. So would you say that it's because the Knicks, the Knicks are so focused on protecting the paint that's giving these open looks from three? Or do you think it's just flow of the game type of rhythm that's just helping Miami get these three-point shots off? I think it's a mix of, I think it's a mix of both. Honestly, because as you said, the Knicks do run a lot of drop coverage. I think comparing the Knicks in Milwaukee, Brooke Lopez is normally deeper in a drop. They like to have Mitchell Robinson a little closer up to the level. But mm-hmm. I think that opens up like the pocket pass the Bam in a way that the Bucks doesn't or the Bucks don't. And because the Knicks play at the level of the screen or they generally play it a little bit higher, that requires their backside help to be peeled in a little bit more than Milwaukee's does. So if you are able to if you're able to get past that, whoever's defending the ball handler, if you're able to get past Mitchell Robinson, if you're able to slip in that pass to the short roll for Bam or whoever to get, whoever it is, or if it's Kevin Love popping, it just requires more rotation. And I think that's when Miami gets into driving that closeout or you're cutting mm-hmm. behind the help as it peels in. And now you're already, now you're in scramble mode. Now Miami's able to ping the ball around. And I think that's where some of those openings are coming, as opposed to Milwaukee, where Brooks in a drop, he's going to be back here. If the screen navigator does his job, you're going inside the arc. If he doesn't, there's a pocket for a pull-up. It's a little bit more cut and dry with Milwaukee. With New York, they put pressure on you because, again, Mitchell Robinson's closer up. So even if there is a small pocket for a pull-up, but it's a little bit tougher, and Mitchell Robinson's very good at contesting those shots on the perimeter as well. But because he's higher up, it requires more on the back end. And if Miami moves the ball well enough, then that's just going to open up more opportunities. Hey, everyone. Alex here. Has there ever been a moment in your life where you're trying to buy a ticket to an event and it was just a hassle? You know, trying to find them at the last minute, hunting down the best price, competing with other buyers for that popular event you're trying to attend. For me, it was buying Knicks tickets not too long ago. As you know, I'm out here in Boston, and when the Knicks were in town, it was just a pain in the butt to get some tickets. And buying tickets to your favorite events shouldn't be that stressful. So download the app GameTime or go to GameTime.co. GameTime is the fast and easy way to buy tickets for all the sports, music, comedy, and theater near you. With killer deals on last-minute tickets and their best price guarantee, you can stop stressing over the tickets and start getting hyped for the fun you'll have. If you're in the New York area right now and you're a sports fan, there's a couple things that you may want to check out. You know, the Giants are in town facing the Yankees, so maybe you want to head over to Yankee Stadium. If you're a Knicks fan like me, the Wizards are going to be in town, so maybe you want to go over to MSG and rock your orange and blue. Or maybe you're a Mets fan. You got the home opener next week. The Miami Marlins will be in town. So why not check that out? Either way, make sure to use the GameTime app because it's simple and easy to use. Also, they got flash deals and you can always find tickets at the last minute. And if you're like me, you want to know where you're sitting and what your seats look like. And they always give you images of the seats 
and the views. Game time is the place for the last minute ticket deals. Forget planning months in advance. Game time has deals on tickets right up to the day of the event. Get exclusive flash deals on tickets for football, basketball, baseball, concerts, comedy, theater, and more. The game time guarantee means you'll always get the best price. If you find tickets in the same section and row for less, game time will credit you 110% of the difference. So snag the tickets without the stress with game time. Download the game time app or go to gametime.co, create an account and use the code KFTV for $20 off your first purchase. Terms apply. Again, create an account and redeem the code KFTV for $20 off. Download game time today. Last minute tickets, lowest price guaranteed. Gotcha. Because as of right now, and you know, shout out to a uh, shot quality, the Twitter account. It tagged me today saying, uh, you know, Miami in game one finished 15 for 21 around the rim. Uh, and then for game two, they finished 16 to 20 around. 21 around the rim that's gone from 71.4% up to 76.2%, right? Just based on the amount, just based on volume and based on their completion. And for me, I'm looking at that and some are saying that, you know, New York has adjusted to protect the three so much. And now that they're giving up driving lanes for Miami to finish well around the rim. For me, it's, mm-hmm. I feel like it's reversed because we're protecting the rim so much and you have to do the closeout. It gives, as you said, Miami the ability to drive the lane and then go finish. Is that what you're seeing as well? Or do you think New York is protecting the three ball more than what we're seeing like throughout the, you know, original, I guess, two and a half hours that we're watching this game? Yeah, like it feels more like a downside feels too strong, but like this is just kind of the other side of the scheme that New York generally runs. Higher up at the level, more help peeled in, aggressive help at times, depending on who's faced where. And again, if Miami is able to pass the ball quickly enough and be able to drive that enough, you're just gonna have to you're gonna have to rotate behind that. Like I go back to I want to say a mid second quarter play, um, mm-hmm. where Haywood Highsmith ends up getting he either draws a foul or he gets a layup because he just cuts behind from the right corner. Uh, the Miami ran a high pick and roll. I think it was Duncan Robinson handling. Bam on the short roll. Emmanuel quickly shoots out to try to take away that pocket pass to Bam, and the pass just doesn't come. Duncan Robinson holds it. Haywood High School cuts down, and it's an open shot at the rim. And they ends up, again, it's, a, it's either a layup or a foul. I can't remember at the moment right now. But, like, mm-hmm. that's kind of a very extreme example of this is, what, this is what it looks like if you're able to beat that specific type of coverage. So I think it's more so that. Like, I think the Knicks still prioritize. We don't want to give stuff at the rim. Um, and that's why you have the help peeled in as much as it is on the back end. But, okay. um, but yeah, like, I think that's more so what it is than, like, we okay, we're just not take, we're taking this all the way away. And just to confirm, so it's like someone's driving into the lane. They stop that. The the defense stops their attack at trying to finish around the rim. The driver kicks out to an open person on the perimeter. Someone has to rush out, and then someone comes in afterwards because you're just having to close out so hard, so it gives up another lane just to drive in, right? That's what yeah. you're saying? Yes. Yeah. Okay. We're on the same page, and we're on the same page. And once again, we're talking to Nikias Duncan. He is one half of the Dunker Spot podcast. Appreciate you coming on today to break down game two. And for all of Knicks Nation out there, if you cannot, if you, you know, if you want to hang out with the rest of the orange and blue crowd, Knicks Nation, guess what we got? We got the game, we got game three watch party at the 4040 Club, Knicks Playoffs. Go to KFTVPlayoffs.com for tickets. All right. And then, yeah, 
make sure to do that so way you can catch the game. And also we're doing it. There's also a hosting an event. I'm not sure if it's for CP. Send me in the chat if it's uh, for game three or game four, but I know there's also an event going on for Miami at, for people down in Miami as well. But getting back to the conversation. All right, Nikaya, so let's, let's look at uh, game three at this, right? Because we saw the adjustments from game one to game two. Now it's game three. So what adjustments do you expect the Heat to make in this one? Um, I think the big adjustment for Miami is pressing the Jimmy Butler button if his ankle is okay. I think that's going to be the biggest one they make. Um, in all seriousness, like I think the offense has performed a little bit, a little bit better than I even expected through two games of the series. A lot of that is the shooting, but I think the ball movement and the drives in general have hit in a way that I didn't expect. Um, Jimmy Butler coming back is going to help that, of course, because that's going to be that movement, that pull-up shooting on top of giving Miami their pressure point back and just mm-hmm. being able to hone in on stuff. And I guess within that regard, if there's something that I would expect more of, it's more so of a series-wide thing than th- Game 3 in particular. At some point, they're going to really put Jalen Brunson in action. I was looking mm-hmm. this up a little bit earlier today. Um, it's only been seven times that Miami has called whoever Jalen Brunson is defending to come set a screen for whoever the ball handler is. Mm-hmm. Seven times in two games. I can. I do not think a 3.5 average is going to hold moving forward in this series, especially if Jimmy Butler is back. Even if it mm-hmm. just becomes like a fourth quarter deal, I can't. I can only imagine that they're going to put him more in action and make him work. Try to see if you can force a switch and let Jimmy attack, or if it's going to be a show and recover, which is what it's been so far through two games. Let's play out of that. We got two to the ball. We're going to slip this here. Now this guy has a four on three on the back end, and again, it sets off that same chain to where now you have to got to pick up the ball handler. There's going to be a kick. There's going to be a closeout. It's either going to be a quick shot or you drive that closeout and it's going to be more open shots. I think Miami's going to attempt to press that button a little bit more as the series goes on. Um, as far as other adjustments, um, if Jimmy's back, and even if he isn't back, I don't think we see as much zone hmm. we saw in game two. Um, like maybe that becomes like a 25 possession deal instead of 49 or whatever it was in game two. Okay. Um, and beyond that, I think the only other one I would say is that game two was really the first time they were very intentional about let's screen Mitchell Robinson before going into this pick and roll. There was mm. a lot of cross screens from Caleb Martin, from Max Struess on Mitchell Robinson, and then that flows into like an empty side pick and roll that Miami wanted to run. Uh, I think they did that nine times, if I remember the stat correctly, which is the most that Mitchell Robinson has had to navigate in this postseason run so far. And I think the mm. third highest amount that he's had to navigate in the game this season and one of those two instances higher was like a late March game against the Heat. So like it's something that Miami's done before. So maybe that becomes something that they go to a little bit more like, okay, we want to put Mitchell Robinson in the pick and roll. We know he's going to be at the level, but since he has to get up to the level, let's set a screen on him first and then flow into the action and really get everyone on New York side rotating and just scrambling around. Okay. And I feel like we've seen an, a good amount of that, trying to make Jalen Brunson work by on all the switches and actually CP, JD and myself, we were talking that, on, uh, on on the most recent uh, post game where Tibbs needs to incorporate some zone just because making Brunson work a lot when it comes to those switches. But that's that's an interesting, it's not interesting, but it's, I wouldn't be surprised to say mm-hmm. Eric Spolstrom trying to make Dylan Brunson work, tire him out. So that way on the offensive side of the game, he's too exhausted to keep making these clutch shots. Though that makes sense. That makes sense. But let me ask you about, since I brought up Spolster's name, and shout out to Corso117, uh, channel member. Uh, are there any, he, he asked, are there any additional new adjustments that we might see from Spo, or do you think both sides have more or less shown their cards? Um, 
as far as anything super new, like off the top of my head, like I think the Knicks, when Jimmy Butler comes back, like one thing I'm keeping an eye on, will we ever see Mitchell Robinson take the Jimmy Butler assignment? Will hmm. we see that cross match for where it's like, okay, we're just putting size on you. We are turning you into a jump shooter and jump shooter only. Do the Knicks press that button or are, are they worried about Mitchell Robinson potentially getting in foul trouble uh, falling for a couple of the Jimmy Pump fakes and now you're going to more Isaiah Hartenstein, which he played very well in game two. He deserves his flowers, but you don't want Mitchell Robinson in foul trouble. So like that can be like a break glass in case of emergency type adjustment that Tibbs can make if Jimmy Butler really just gets cooking from game three onward. Um, beyond that, I guess my question, and I'll ask it to you, like how often do you think we see the Knicks go small? Do we see Randall at the five? Like, is that a button that they press? It hasn't been something that Tibbs has wanted to do uh, throughout the regular season, but like that's in the back pocket. And now that you have Josh Hart, like in theory, you could go Brunson quickly, Barrett, Hart, and Randall. And like that's feasible, especially against this Miami team that isn't very large across the board. Is that something that he pulls out now because it's a series that makes sense for him? So like maybe those are probably the two on the Knicks side. Um, For the Heat, not much, honestly. Like, we've seen the zone. um, And I think the adjustments that I listed are more so of, okay, they're already doing this. Can they do more of it? More so than something completely brand new from Miami's side. Okay. Okay. Well, to answer your question for will Tibbs go small, I mean, we've seen it in spurts. Mm -hmm. More so, like... I'd have to go back and watch if it's out of necessity or if you actually really want to go small in those cases. Like we've seen it, and it usually comes down to like late game, late game fourth quarter uh, adjustments where you see, hey, you know, what's, you know, for having more ball handlers out there or having more shot creators out there, let's go Randall at the five. Let's have Josh Hart out there because he's still a strong enough rebounder. You have RJ out there. Um, and, you know, I don't know about quickly. It was Quentin Grimes in the fourth quarter last game just because quickly has been struggling. I want to get your thoughts on that in a bit. But I think it just depends on the flow of the game. Like how much does Tibbs really feel the pressure where he's like, I need us to really get up the court really fast because that's, that's why you want to go small, right? You want to get up the court really fast. You know, Randall, Bam out of bio, that's a matchup that – Randall would be fine with, and I think Tibbs is fine with seeing uh, on a night on a night to night basis. That's the question I have, but I think for the most part, Tibbs is going to want to have Mitchell Robinson or Isaiah Hartenstein out there just for the rim protection, for the defense size. Um, having Bam as your center, I know he's six ten. Tibbs is going to look at that, saying, "I want more height out there," and he usually leans towards more height more than he does to go for speed and versatility, just because this team is so ISO heavy offensively that it's going to be in Brunson or Randall's hands when it comes down to where it matters most. So long, long story short, I wouldn't expect to see much of it. If I do see probably more than five minutes of it, I will be shocked. Okay. (laughs) To be honest with you. Um, But it's definitely in his pocket. We've seen it before. I just don't think that's something that Tibbs really wants to go. He's always, to me, it's always thinking more about defense. And if he wants, as we saw in game two, we're going to have, uh, number 11, take the final shots. That's where, that's really what it comes down to. Gotcha. Um, but, move, but moving along, we keep bringing up Jimmy Butler. How do the Knicks defend Jimmy Butler in game three? Oh, boy. Um, I think it's going to be the same formula, honestly. Like, I will say on the Jimmy Butler pick and roll front, 
like watching some of the Jimmy Bam pick and rolls, I've been kind of surprised that it's been drop against that. Like one minor adjustment they can make, they could probably afford to switch some of those. <laughs> like it kind of leads into the, do you trust Mitchell Robinson on Jimmy? And maybe if it's not giving him the assignment, at least turning those pick and rolls into late switches instead of giving Jimmy drop. Um, Cause if he gets in rhythm, like he can knock down that elbow jumper again, it's postseason time. So he's just suddenly okay with taking threes and knocking those down as well. And you don't want to, if they empty a side, you don't want to open up that pocket pass to Bam and get him going on the short roll either. So like maybe a major, maybe just a minor tweak, like all out switch or just a late switch if he drives deep enough and force him to peel it out and force Miami to burn some clock and just kind of bring the game into the mud because you don't want Miami playing with tempo. You don't want them playing with flow. Um, other than that, it's going to be much of what we've seen so far. Like they can probably afford to go more Quentin Grimes period in the series. I think his shooting is going to be important. But, like, during the regular season series, nobody defended Jimmy Butler more than Quentin Grimes did. Mm-hmm. So if you want to press that button, you can. Um, but other than that, it's just going to be dug and under picks. It's going to be showcasing their early help so he doesn't have comfortable driving lanes. Um, I think those are going to be your major, too. Yeah, and to the Quentin Grimes point, I would like to see Quentin Grimes get back out there. I actually would like to see him back in the starting rotation just because I like what Josh Hart gives off the bench. Because quickly he's been struggling. I think that second unit needs a jolt. That's kind of mm-hmm. what Josh Hart does. You know, the physicality of the playmaking. It's been lacking there. I think with him getting into such a good flow in the playoffs, having a veteran like him on the bench to kind of stabilize everything and to co- calm everything down. He's like the Jalen Brunson, essentially, for that second unit, right? He can calm everything down, knows when to attack get everyone into rhythm. I'd like to see that happen just because also, as you noted, Quentin Grimes is not bad at guarding Jimmy Butler, although I'm very confused why in game one he only played 10 minutes. I guess it's just because he's coming back off a shoulder injury. You want to work him back in there. Although we see Randall comes back from an ankle injury and this guy's playing like 38 plus minutes. So I'm like, what's going on here? It's like, mm-hmm. it's a shoulder injury. It's not even a leg injury. So I'm like wondering what conditioning needs to, to happen. Yeah. My thought process is that maybe there's more to Grimes' injury that we don't know, and that's why he's not shooting. But regardless, you mentioned that Grimes has guarded Jimmy Butler the most on this team throughout the regular season. And the numbers, you know, show where, let's see, I have them right here, where Butler shot 43.8% when guarded by Quinton Grimes. So he went 7 for 16 uh, during that matchup. And I'm like, I think Tibbs should rely a little bit more on that. Also to give Josh Hart some rest too. Like Josh Hart's been phenomenal. This is nothing against Josh Hart. I love what he brings to this team. He's become a fan favorite instantly. I'm trying to look at my wallet, but like, do I have enough money to buy a Josh Hart jersey? That's that's how much I like what he brings to the Knicks. But at the same time, I would like to just see it go back. Also, like the capability of Grimes is like when he's a shooter, right? He can be a high volume three-point shooter. And I think having someone like that in the starting rotation would definitely help get the Knicks back into like, you know, help them with spacing, I should say. It would help the Knicks with more spacing because as we saw in game two, Josh Hart, when he got the ball and there were some wide open shots, he was a little, you know, intimidated to shoot or just like stuff like that. And I'm like, come on, man, you got to let it rip if you're going to be out there, especially when you got a wide open shot. Don't pump fake, you know, think about it. Just let it rip, man. Thankfully, he hit two big threes in the fourth quarter. Your favorite quarter, Nikias. Your favorite quarter. So, <laughs> Oh, boy, what a fourth quarter that was. But, no, you really hit on something there. It's something that I didn't consider. Like, how much is Josh Hart in the start line affecting Emmanuel Quickly, who only played, what, nine minutes in game? He only played nine minutes. Yeah, if you want to talk about Emmanuel Quickly and give me some of your thoughts on him throughout the entire playoffs or just this series, please let me know. And what do you think could get him back into rhythm? 
Um, we can go playoff ride. I would say like the offensive impact has certainly been muted. Like yeah. some of the decision making has been a little haywire. He hasn't had the pull up going like that outside of like some garbage time buckets in one of the Cleveland games. It's been weird from offensively to defense. I feel like he's largely brought it. Mm-hmm. So I haven't had much of an issue there. Um, but no, like I wonder how much the Josh Hart lineup change is a fit in impacting thing. Cause you think of what Josh Hart brings, like you mentioned the calming presence. There's also the instant energy. I think about what Hart does defensively. He's a guy that is one of the best rebounders at position. Emmanuel quickly is at his best when he's in transition. Having him, having those two on the floor together, like it makes sense. Josh Hart crashes down, gets a board quick outlet, Emmanuel quickly. Now he can boogie, get downhill easier. He can get to his pull up early in the clock. He loves taking that shot and he can make that shot. Like I wonder how much he's missing that synergy. Um, and to your point about the spacing, like Think about how Miami's been guarding Jalen Brunson this series, like game one with Jimmy, game two with Caleb Martin. But behind that, if Josh Hart is one pass away or R.J. Bear is one pass away, we are helping off. We are helping at the nail. We are making sure that Jalen Brunson does not have a lot of space to operate with, and we are fine with either of those guys receiving kickouts and knocking down threes. You can't really do that with Quentin Grimes, even with him having like the slide later in the year with a three-point shooting. We know he can knock down shots. I don't think Miami would defend him to the same degree. So like flipping that would be smart. But um. As far as Emmanuel quickly getting going, like one, Tibbs just has to trust him. That's going to be the big thing. Like nine minutes is just stark, even with the flow of the game. Like uh, that, you could probably double that still. Mm-hmm. Um, and again, depending on how you configure the lineups, like you can get a smaller unit out there around, around Emmanuel quickly. So you're able to play with more tempo. That's more in his comfort zone. Let him get the ball in his hands. Let him make some decisions and pick and roll. And I think you can see him bounce back a little bit. Okay. Okay. I'd like to see quickly get back into rhythm, man, just because he's been such an impactful player for this team, but it's been very disappointing this entire playoff run watching him. It's just, I honestly, I'm wondering where the monsters came from and (laughs) then that basketball took his powers away because that's what's kind of looking right, right now, right now, defensively been fine. It's not like at this point, which is funny because he was a offensive player through his, you know, draft profile coming out of Kentucky. And you're like, oh, okay, we're going to get some shooting now because the Knicks missed shooting. But now he's become such a solid defensive player, which is now, like, which has been great, right? Yeah. Awesome. Solid defensive player. Need that shooting, though. Need that shooting to come back because he's another guy where you talk about helping create that spacing. And if he's not going to be able to shoot the three, that's just going to be tough for, for, for this Knicks team, especially going against a, a tough defensive team like Miami. Right. Absolutely right. All right. And then... Once again, everyone, we're talking to Nikias Duncan, one half of the Dunker Spot podcast. Remember, we have the 4040 event this Saturday. Make sure to go to kftdplayoffs.com to go get your tickets. And also, I, I misspoke. There's nothing for Miami yet. Hopefully, maybe something we got in the works, but maybe, but as of right now, nothing. However, however, we got something even better than that. CP just gave me word on this. Then if you're look out, be on the lookout. For our Game 5 ticket giveaway, sponsored by our friends at uh, Forzano Law, Injury Attorneys. It's coming soon, so be on the lookout for Game 5 ticket giveaway. All right. Okay, Nakaya's getting back to this. RJ. Got to bring up RJ because he's been solid for five games now. He has gone back into rhythm. Give us some of your thoughts on, on RJ's turnaround because this season has been up and down. First two games, like he gave a solid four game, game one, solid defense, game two. Now everything's starting to click from game three against the Cavs. Game one, I'm talking about against in the Cavalier series, not, yeah. not against the Heat for those. Game three against the Cavs from now 
He's been awesome. So give me some thoughts on, on RJ's uh, come around. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. If you're a basketball junkie, then you know there's no better time of year than the NBA playoffs. Twice a week, J.J. Redick is cooking on his podcast, The Old Man and the Three. He has guys come on in all stages of their careers to talk about the league and share stories you won't hear anywhere else, including Devin Booker on why he talks so much trash, Ray Allen's epic free throw competitions with LeBron in Miami, and the moment Tyrese Halliburton knew Pascal Siakam would be a good fit in Indy. In addition to player interviews, every Monday, J.J. breaks down the top three things happening around the NBA with unmatched analysis analysis, not outlandish takes, and is often joined by masterminds of the game like Tim Legler to dive deep on rookie reports, trade breakdowns, and why is mean mugging now a tech? You won't find another outlet that covers the game as comprehensively and with such insight as JJ does it on The Old Man and the Three. Make this your companion podcast during the playoffs. Listen to The Old Man and the Three ad-free on Wondery Plus or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm just proud of the turnaround from RJ. I mean, last time I was here, we kept off our segment talking about RJ Barrett and like what's happened to the offense, what's happened to the shot, what's going on with the decision making, and what's happened to the defense. And so the defense has certainly perked back up during this postseason run. And as you mentioned, kind of slow starting in the Cavs series, but since then, he's been knocking down shots from the perimeter. But more than anything, and this is something that my co-host Steve Jones Jr. hit on as well, he's making very quick decisions with the ball. He's receiving mm-hmm. it, and I am shooting because I'm open. Or I'm catching the ball, and I am driving now because y'all are closing out against me. And from there, it is, okay, I have a lane. I am taking the shot, and I'm getting fouled, or I'm getting fouled. I don't have it. I'm making the kick, and then I'm, going, I'm relocating out to the opposite corner. It's so simple, but it's very important for RJ to do this because he just has to fill that role. We know Jalen Brunson and Julius Randle, in whichever order you want to put them in, that's your hierarchy. That's your top two. You just need RJ Barrett to fill the gaps for you. If you're spacing, knock down shots. If the defense is tilted, punish them, maintain the advantage that those other two guys have already created. And that's been the big story for me over the last, like, five games for him. Like, the second half of game one really got – it was just bad, second half of game one for RJ. But overall, like, this has been the biggest part of the stretch. He's just been decisive. It feels like he knows what he wants to do and what he's supposed to do, and he's nailing it instantaneously. Yeah, absolutely. I agree with that 100%. It's like – before game three, I asked for him to be decisive, to have his awareness up to the par because it, it's the production is not shocking. Like we've seen this in the past before. It's the it's the inconsistency that gets on fans' nerves. It's like, come on, it's year four. 
just got the extension, mm-hmm. what's happening. But now he's playing under the brightest of all bright lights in, in one of the heaviest jerseys around the league. So just it's just great to see that he's able to step up this, to this level. And, and to your point, it, it has been like his decisiveness, his awareness, everything that you talked about. How does Miami stop that? Because he's like a battering ram, man. When, once he gets downhill, it is tough to stop. And he can get to the free throw line because of his physicality. Mm-hmm. And that's where, again, you miss Jimmy Butler. Again, he has, uh, he's getting the Jalen Brunson assignment. But if you want to play Jimmy Butler and Caleb Martin together, it's putting another long wing on R.J. Barrett. Because mm-hmm. putting Max Struess on him like he doesn't have the foot speed. You saw Gabe Vincent on him in game one because Jimmy Butler had the Brunson assignment. He just didn't have the size at all to deal with R.J. getting downhill. And so if RJ's putting that kind of pressure on you, like it's just going to require a bigger player for Miami to allocate towards him. And that can open up something somewhere else. Um, I think that's really all Miami can do outside of like, again, if RJ's taking the ball screen, I'm ducking underdoors and forcing him to take pull-up threes because that's never been a strong suit for him. Like the catch and shoot three has kind of fluctuated for him, but he can knock down those spot-up looks. Him pulling off the bounce with those pull-up jumpers has always been a little bit iffy. Um, so ducking under there, if you want to show some help on the drive and forcing him into those floaters, that's never been a comfort area for him in the intermediate area of the floor. Um, but other, that's probably all I have off the top of my head though. Okay. Okay. And Nikias, we're going to get you out of here very shortly. I just got one more question for you. Okay. The series has been a battle, right? It has been physical, everything that makes me as a Knicks fan, Knicks fans out there, ER, I'm sure, sure even for the Miami fans that are tuning in because we got some Miami fans in the chat in the mm-hmm. comment section questioning <laughs> me, how can I choose Knicks in six? Question saying that the the, the Heat were going to sweep the Knicks. I was like, okay. Now you thought you think I'm going to lose for asking for uh, Knicks in six. Ask it, that's kind of crazy to think it's going to be a sweep. This is going to be a battle. Um, but what will be the deciding factor between this series for like, what will be the reason that either team wins? Like what will be that? What will be, I guess, either the adjustment, the, the certain style of play, what will be that reason for either one of these teams to win the series? Um, I think honestly, it's who wins the possession battle. I think it's where it starts because I think you factor in where these teams like to take their shots. The Knicks are going to take more shots inside. The Heat are going to take more shots from three. And so from there, like, you give Miami a little bit of a lean in terms of the math with the three-point shooting, or depending on how often New York gets to the free throw line, you can give them the shade there. How many possessions will there be? Will the Knicks be able to man the offensive glass? Because if they're able to do so, then they're just going to get more cracks at it than Miami will. And they're going to get Miami in foul trouble, and they're going to win this series. If Miami is able to mitigate that, and win the possession battle if they're able to force turnovers against this Knicks team, which one of the biggest parts of New York being a top five offense this year is because they just didn't turn the ball over. They got extra possessions and they didn't turn it over themselves because of the high isolation style. If Miami's able to win the possession battle by forcing turnovers, by mucking things up with the zone and then gang rebounding and not allowing those extra opportunities, they're going to bomb a bunch of threes. They're probably going to knock down more threes than the Knicks will across this series. And Miami's going to win this series. So I think whoever wins the possession battle wins the series. Okay, and there you have it, Knicks Nation. Nikias, thank you once again for coming on the show and giving us your insight to this series and for Game 3. Please let the listeners know where they can find you if you got any upcoming stuff that we should be on the lookout for. Well, thanks again for having me, man. It's been a blast. Um, 
subscribe to the Dunker Spot podcast if you haven't already. We talk a whole bunch of NBA naturally. The WNBA season is starting in a couple of weeks, so very excited about that. We're going to be tapping in there. So if you are a W fan or if you're trying to get into the W, come along with us. Come have some fun. Um, new episode of the Dunker Spot just dropped like an hour ago, actually. So uh, if you want to get a quick peek at what we do and how we talk about hoops, then you can do that there. Um, <clears throat> we host online watch parties with uh, playback. So you can actually catch live analysis from us. Um, free to sign up for, easy to sign up for. You just put in, I think, your cable provider. or If you have League Pass, you sign in. So it's something that you already have. You log in and you're watching the game with us. Like you actually see the feed. We're breaking down stuff. We have a share screen feature now. So like I'm breaking down clips during like timeouts. Steve is breaking down clips during timeouts. So it's a really fun time. So if you want to watch hoops with us, you can do that. Um, other than that, uh, Nikias NBA on Twitter. Uh, I think that's all I got right now. Awesome. And if I was to tune into that playback, you're not going to be uh, heat biased, are you? Because I knew you used to cover the heat back in the day. No, no, no. It's just, hey, what's happening on my screen? That's that's all it is. Like, I'm, OK, OK. I'm just making sure. I'm just making yeah. sure. You know, I don't want to come in there and feel like I'm being attacked. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'll make sure if I see your comment that I would just put the heat hat back on just for you for like five minutes straight. But Thank no, you. in all seriousness, we're just breaking. We're just having fun with the chat and we're just breaking down what we're seeing. Appreciate you so much, Nikias. Thank you. But no, seriously, thank you once again for coming on the show. And to Knicks Nation, thank you for tuning in once again. Make sure to hit that thumbs up button once again for your boys. Also, make sure to check out KnicksFanTV.com. Okay, you can find Remy's recap after every single game, and he'll give you the player ratings for how each and every single player did in that performance for the New York Knicks. Also, remember to go to KFTVPlayoffs.com to go get your tickets for the Jay-Z's 4040 Club for the watch party this Saturday. All right, make sure to get there an hour early. And then also, also, once again, be on the lookout for Game 5 tickets sponsored by our friends at Forzano Law Injury Attorneys. Make sure to be on the lookout for that because I know you all want to be at Game 5 for this bloodbath rivalry, okay? Next Nation, salute to all you, and we'll catch you later. We out. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.